to etc. etc. with young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. Today's episode number 14, y'all. Twice as lucky as seven, I would guess, you know. And I was talking about numbers with today's guest and his card tricks, you know, among his many talents. I mean, you don't get a number 14 in a regular deck. And I guess the tarot, you know, 14's temperance, which is strange because I, I first saw our guest, Mr. Paul Kilmer, at a bar. In fact, his first ever comedy show, as he tells me in this interview, last year at Cafe Nine, another, another number there, you know, in New Haven, Connecticut, Nutmeg State, New Haven being the Elm City. I, I don't really know how the two of those go together. I mean, you got those slippery Elm lozenges, you know, but I mean, if they were nutmeg flavored too, uh, well, I, I don't know how I'd feel about that. I mean, it's a good thing I'm not heading up their new product development team, you know? I mean, we, we probably all dodged a bullet with that one, you know? And I most definitely wasn't heading up their new product development team that night in New Haven, the first time I ever saw Paul perform. I've seen him a bunch since, man. He combines magic and comedy in his act. It's something very unique, man. I really dig his style. He seems to, like, circle back onto things continuously and build up this just wonderful humor so he's a very funny man so let's get to it all right we're here today with mr paul kilmer how you doing man i can't complain things are going good for me right now excellent so i want to ask you how did you get into magic well it's actually interesting i actually never meant to be a magician i always liked card manipulation and i never thought it was going to move past that and then um, I kind of got, I kind of got, uh, let's say, addicted to ent- entertaining people, which is unique for somebody on the spectrum like me. My grandfather taught me a couple of moves with the deck of cards, and then I went down to the local library, and it just so happened that the uh, the the kids director of my local library did puppet shows and magic shows. So they had an entire uh, section on it and not every library does. So um, I started learning how to put together a terrible show uh, because we're all terrible when we start out. And uh, I didn't realize I was creating the groundwork for, sort of this weird character that I do. But yeah, that's pretty much how it started. I learned a couple of things and then I went to the library because the internet wasn't a thing because mm. no one understands. But you know, I I I I grew up in the age of dial up and no one wanted the internet then. No one wanted it. No, it's amazing we have it now. I mean, I've, I've been thinking, I think like technology really peaked like with the cassette. Like once you could listen to music in your car, I was fine with, I don't need all the bells and whistles we have now. I mean, you know, David Lee Roth was in Van Halen, you know, you copy the album onto a blank cassette or buy it on cassette, put it in your car, you could drive around. Not that I could drive back then. So I mean, my timeline's a little skewed, Yeah. but I, I think I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. My favorite thing about a cassette is even if it broke, all you needed was a number two pencil and you 
fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Simpler times. It is. <laughs> you don't need much. If now, people lived. If people lived with fewer things, I think the world would be a better place. Indeed. Well, there's nothing we can do about it right now. So. <laughs> no. No, there is not right now. Let's just keep going with the questions. Yeah. Now, now cards are your thing. That's what sparked it all off. Card mm-hmm. tricks. Have if you ever used them in a poker game? You know, that's interesting. A lot of people ask me that. I don't actually like uh, games. Ah. I like learning how to cheat at them, but I don't actually like to play them with people. I, I'm non-confrontational and I'm not really competitive. I'm pretty much okay with just sitting in a corner by myself with a latte, practicing sleight of hand. And if somebody wants to see a trick, that's awesome. I'll do it. But I'm not. At, I'm not. I'm always actively practicing, but uh, I'm not. Never looking to cheat someone out of their money because I would feel bad after takes away from the purity of the craft yeah and the fact that you have to live with yourself after you con someone that's true regardless if they were a jerk or not you still stole something you you still had an advantage over them you know maybe you wouldn't have to like sorry no go ahead Maybe you wouldn't have to like take their money. I imagine it'd be like real annoying if a dude was just sitting there and like he needed like a king to make a flush, and you're all like, "Is this your card?" <laughs> no, you wouldn't want to do that in a poker game because you'd probably get your uh, hands broken. That's true. When you were cheating in an actual game, you want to look the worst you can. You want to lure them into a false sense of security. And then right at the last minute, probably towards the end of the game, um, fill the pot and then pull the rug out from under them. Mm. That's pretty much how you cheat. If you show everybody that you have skills in the beginning of the game, no one wants to play with you. So acting kind of drunk benefits you if you really are cheating. So you know how to do all this. You just choose not to for the greater good. Yeah, well, it's not even the greater good. It's just the fact that I've never, ever wanted to scam anybody. And the fact that after a certain point in time, it seems cool. But really, this is how people actually live their lives. And it usually always ends bad. (laughs) So I'm perfectly happy with doing children's magic shows in awkward stand-up comedy. Are you familiar with uh, the dead man's hand? What uh, aces and eights? What uh, what Wild Bill Hickok yeah, was holding um, when he got murdered? Yeah. Uh, so basically, there's no historical evidence to back that up. Oh. Um, so basically, uh, the problem with stories is is that most of the time they have one percent historical accuracy, and the rest of it. The other 99.9% is just kind of made up to build the persona of the person they're talking about. Yes, while Bill Hickok was a decent card cheat, but he also murdered a couple of people, and he was also 
a sheriff. And he also did get shot in the back of the head, which again, didn't end well for him. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, there's a bar in London called Aces and Eights. Yeah. And I was standing outside of it one night with my friend Keith Top of the Pops. It was around midnight, and somebody off the street just came up and offered to sell us 40 pounds of cheese. <laughs> like, has that ever happened to you while you've been doing car tricks? Like, an audience member interrupts you to try and sell you, like, a huge, like, a significant amount of cheese or any sort of dairy product? That's a that's a fantastic question because it this doesn't often come up. I have a lot of experience in street performing. Usually they'll come up before or after my performance. But yeah, I've gotten cell phones, jewelry. If they know you have money, I've had uh, homeless people come up and extort me for $5. They threatened to come back in the middle of my act and scare my crowd away. Uh, there is a definite market for, uh, uh, I guess, like street merchants, st- people who sell stuff on the street. But yeah, I mean, I-, I think as performers, we always find ourselves in interesting uh positions and that's why forums like this are so awesome because you finally get the uh like that 40 pounds of the cheese thing was like that's that's a story you're going to be able to tell for the rest of your life that's awesome I know, awkward yeah. in the moment awkward in the moment but pretty funny after the fact <laughs> yeah yeah totally I'm just surprised. I mean, that's a that's a heavy amount of cheese that they just had with them, you know, somewhere and you're walking around London trying to sell it. Well, I mean, I wasn't there, and I would have asked him to show me the cheese. Mm-hmm. I wish you were there, Paul. It would have been a good night. Yeah, I would have. I would. I would have. I don't know. It's like how much was he selling forty pounds of cheese for? That's the thing. We probably should ask him. We probably could have got some sort of sweet deal, you know, if yeah. if, if we played our cards right, pun intended. But, uh, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm I'm vegan, so it didn't interest me. And, you know, we just, oh, yeah. we, uh, we thought the whole thing was so ridiculous. We, you know, we just immediately reacted, you know, no, obviously we don't want 40 pounds of cheese while we're out at a bar having a good time at midnight. Yeah. No, you never know where the night takes you. So, I mean. I know, you, know, you don't. Who knows? Some of the, oh, I can't remember how the quote goes, but the, um, yeah, this is awesome. Basically, the gist of the quote is, is that you never know what's going to happen, but always write it down. Write everything down. Because <laughs> you're going to forget. That's not how the quote goes, but that's what it means. <laughs> you should have written the quote down, Paul. <laughs> I, I should have. <laughs> I should have. That that's that's what happens. That's that's what I wanted to ask you about your comedy. Like you have this way of like building up jokes and scenarios like in your set that they keep like circling back into each other and that it makes it just funnier and funnier. How much do you write stuff down ahead of time and how much is it you're just in the moment just building it up? Um it's from when you saw me when you first started when I first started interacting with you that was all improv 
Oh, wow. Now everything is written down. I've taken those bits and polished them. Um, I probably, I, before it was a hundred percent improv. Now it is 30% improv, 30% writing and, uh, 30% building of, uh, material, my ideas. So, um, you know, it's so funny because I've been performing since I was 13 or 14. I've been doing comedy for like five months because I don't count the COVID. So I've only been doing comedy for like five months. Wow. So what made you decide to give it a go? Well, it's it was a number of things. It was I found myself in the hospital um, under interesting circumstances. Uh, it's something that I always wanted to do. It was kind of something that I had the opportunity, the opportunity just to rise uh, through Dan Calwhite. Very funny, man. Uh, I do autism advocacy and he works for a, uh, he works for a, you know, he works for a, a, a place that helps people with autism and him and, uh, I think yeah, I think it was maybe Craig Taylor. I don't know who was with them, but um, they says it's like we do this thing down at Cafe Nine. Um, we can give you an opportunity, and I was so excited that I invited all my friends. You see, and then I proceeded to crush not realizing that the next time I would perform someplace, none of my friends would be there. Mm. And I didn't do bad. I didn't do bad. No, um, that, I was there, right? It was very funny. Yeah. I dug it. Yeah. And you don't ever really know what an audience is thinking unless you ask them. So um, I've, never really experience. I don't really like, it's like uh, when a commission comedian says they bombed, I haven't experienced that because I never look at something as a bombing experience. It, to me, it's a learning experience. What am I going to do and go back? Because the internet and social media has completely changed comedy. Oh, I can't get booked at this club. All you got to do is go on Facebook and create your own thing. The landscape has completely changed. Mm. And open mics aren't for people. <laughs> <laughs> They're for comedians and comedian friends. And I don't count those as people. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe we have come a bit of ways since the cassette, since the invention of the cassette. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that there are more opportunities. I, I mean, I mean, just talking as a magician, there are more opportunities to get yourself out there through Facebook, through LinkedIn, through uh, I almost said WikiLinks. That's something different. Uh, there's so much out there that. It's all at the tip of your fingertips. And if Facebook is free, uh, YouTube is free. Yeah. You don't have to pay anybody. 
No, I, I, I totally know what you mean. I mean. There's a bunch of clubs who don't want what Southpaw is offering, and you know, there's really no need to go to those. I can just put out my own stuff. Yeah. And then you create your own market, and uh, places start having you come in, and you sell merchandise. Um, and Do you have merchandise? Um, I have a shirt that my friend made me. Is this the one you're wearing um, right now? Oh, yeah. That's um, amazing. I have a dinosaur blog. This will eventually be the name of it. Dinosaurs are my thing. Magic and dinosaurs in my current relationship are my things. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you are known as Magical Paul, and the shirt yeah. says Jurassic Paul. Are yeah. You, are you going to turn yourself into a dinosaur? Well, a trick? listen, I, I, in this age, I believe anybody can be what they want. I believe if you identify as the dinosaur or you identify as a man or a woman or there are so many different identities out there, I believe that you should just be who you want to be. Yeah. You'll be a lot happier. Uh, uh, yeah, you'll be a lot happier. And, you know, yeah, sometimes people would be like, well, I – it's more or less people just people don't want things to change and they'll do anything possible to try to keep you from uh, fulfilling what you, you want to do to make them feel better. So yeah. as far as like being Jurassic Paul or being anonymous Paul, the only reason I call myself different names is I don't want to by no means is my comedy blue no it's not it's more just like awkward stories sometimes they're adult themed but i actually really don't swear in my comedy um and i have like funny stories and um but yeah it's just one of those weird circumstances that um i'm a family entertainer and then I go to do open my comedy and I was so afraid of saying something and open my comedy and then having a potential client in the audience be like, Oh, I don't want him performing for my three-year-old son. Uh, yeah. And that's why I created the anonymous Paul. That's why I go up as Paul Kilmer as opposed to the magical Paul. And I, I can't, I think I, it might've been Eric pumpkins. It might've been, so actually might've even been you. I can't remember cause it was so long ago, but somebody says, it's like, why do you, why do you um, have multiple characters? And I explained it and they were like, yeah, that's smart. I have, and this is why I try to tell people, it's like people ask me all the time. It's like, are you political? Are you this? Or what are your opinions? I would rather not share my opinions on Facebook because I have moms and dads doing deep dives on my Facebook. And it's hard enough with all my comedian friends posting up memes from both the left and the right. Mm. Uh, and you never know who you're going to offend. So that's always an interesting conversation with parents because 
I just, I, I look at myself as, as like, I try to be friends with as many people as I can be. And everybody yeah. has a different, opinion. <laughs> everybody has a different opinion. And sometimes uh, when it's three o'clock in the morning and you're on like uh, the quintessential dirty meme site and you just post it on your wall and that shows up on my wall and then I have to block it because I have like the administrator of a school who wants me to come in and do a magic show. And they're like, maybe I don't want this person, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't yeah. know. Too controversial, but uh, what's your opinion of Van Halen? Um, I like uh, I like Van Halen. I, I I was born in 1983, so I started listening when I was in the early 90s. My dad was a construction worker and a mechanic, so all those. A seventy, uh, I want to say all those late seventies, early eighties metal metal bands, uh, hair bands were very popular. Rat, Snake, other animals, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin, um, Poison. Oh yeah. Uh, um, and then my dad was interesting because he did like those, but he also exposed us inadvertently to like John Denver and my grandfather exposed me to guys like Buddy Holly and Elvis and Johnny Cash and Johnny Cash lived all the way up. He's got albums uh, galore. So yeah, I, I grew up in Van Halen. I like jump. I like Panama. Um, I was more or less a radio kid. I never owned albums. I always, like I always heard songs and then could never find them for 15 years. And then I finally learned the name of the song. Um, <laughs> it's like I recently rat has made a comeback because they had one of their songs in the album. And I was like, I really like round and round as a song. I'm glad they made that into a commercial, but yeah, I like Van Halen. It's the year um, of the like rest. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully yeah. they will make a huge comeback. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, do you, as a fan of uh, card tricks, do you like songs that mention cards like ACDC's The Jack or uh, Stacey Q's Two of Hearts? I mean, if you were doing a card trick for ACDC, you would expect their card to be The Jack. And like for Motorhead, yeah. it'd obviously it's be the, the Ace of Spades. Ace of Spades, Spades yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, um, because there are other songs like Magic Man and um, uh, there's a couple other songs that I can't remember, but um, the Tutua Hearts is actually really a lot of really good magicians do non talking sets to that song or Magic Man and they definitely have their place in magic because specifically they reference specific uh, cards. But I, I want to say my favorite is the Ace of Spades by Motorhead mm -hmm. because like I said, uh, those are the songs that I kind of, they just, you know, pop into your life. Um, I guess my favorite song of all time would have to be one of those songs that I didn't know the name of and tried to track down 
for years, which was um, Wall of Voodoo Mexican Radio. There you go. <laughs> it always plays between 2.34 and 2.50 in the morning on some radio station that you're driving from one location to the other and you're not paying attention and you miss the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a little research into the song and um, the guy who made it. And I, and again, his name um, eludes me, but you know, he's just one of those guys who created a song and an album. And that's pretty much what he's known for. And he has other songs but I just really like that song. No one's heard of them. And I was, I was like, this is my song. You can, you can have it. Get your own song. This is mine. I'm protective of that song. What do you want to be known for, Paul? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I want to be known for being a well-rounded entertainer. I want to be the best person I can. I want to help people. Um, you know, uh, everybody keeps saying it's like when this is over, when this is over, this isn't going to be over. This won't be over. It takes three to four years for one of these things to pass. But when it does, I would really like to start going on the road uh, to do gigs. So just, you know, living out my dream. Like right now, everything is really good. I've literally accomplished everything I've wanted to do. And it's just about making new goals to accomplish. So, yeah, that's what I really want to be known for is just being as good of a person as I can be. Awesome. Depending on what dollar store I'm in. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I think that's all my questions. You got anything else you want to add? Um, yeah, you can hit me up on my Facebook um, uh, Paul Kilmer and, um, yeah, I'm always putting stuff out, putting content out, um, working on blogs, you know, just really trying to fill my time. With yeah, t- tell me about this dinosaur blog. Uh, it's, it, well, right now it's in the very early phases but basically what I do is I find a comedian friend. I have them pick a dinosaur and I plug their comedy while teaching people about the dinosaur that they chose. So it's a way for me to help out other comedians, but tell people about one thing I really love. Well, it sounds wild. But... So um, the one that I'm going to either do today or tomorrow because I have a live gig later tonight and I have to finish building some props uh, is going to be the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And it's funny because I thought that was the one that was going to be picked, but everybody keeps picking like really odd specific ones. And I really like that because there's so much to dinosaurs that people don't get. All they see is the skeletons. They don't know about the timelines. They don't know about the environment, what they ate, what they hunted, what their social behavior was like. Um, yeah, none of us were around to witness that, but there's a lot you can tell by their skeletons and uh, the different types of environments that you find them. And they're just really just interesting to me. Yeah. So I try to, 
I try to do that. I try to pick a comedian. And if I can't find a comedian, because, you know, we're all just trying to survive, I just put one of my own. And it actually doesn't even have to be a dinosaur. Any extinct animal I try. Uh, do you want me, do you want to pick a dinosaur? Yeah. Has anyone chosen a uh, triceratops yet? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go with triceratops. Yeah. Okay. So now I have two dinosaurs to work with. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I will do young self paw chooses the triceratops and I will make it. Oh, I can't wait. This is exciting. Oh, sweet. Well, thank but, you yeah, so much. I mean, no, hey, no, it, 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 I'm not doing anything else right now. So this is great. Yeah. And if I was, I would totally do it. Make the time. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Always make the time. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Good to talk to you. No problem. I, 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 I enjoyed it. Awesome. All right. Hope you enjoyed that. You can find Paul on the internet, you know, Paul Kilmer. Also goes by Magical Paul, Anonymous Paul, Jurassic Paul. A lot of Pauls, only one guy, but a lot of Pauls. He's performing around Connecticut. They got some backyard shows going on these days. I'm psyched about the dinosaur thing, man. I hope I didn't mean Triclops from He-Man. I hope he's not extinct. No, nah, no, nah, I, I totally meant Triceratops. I always dug those. You know, they got the collar, like like Queenie from Black Adder, you know? So yeah, check out some more Southpaw at youngsouthpaw.com. And there's a bunch of videos on the YouTube channel. And if you subscribe to that, I'd sure as heck appreciate it, you know? Same with this and the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour podcast. You know, subscribe, rate, review, and I'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening.